Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. There is nothing stereotyped about God's dealing with His children. And so therein lies the problem. Because you see, many times the church is looking more to imitate other churches or trying to experience what God is doing at another place or another time rather than simply trusting God to freely work as He wills and allow him to leave what evidence he pleases of that work that he does. We want to be like the church up the street. The methods that God uses to work in individual believers' lives are as different as the people themselves. And though it's tempting to compare your gifts, callings, or faith with another, Paul warns against this. Today, Pastor David explains how God guides, corrects, empowers, and calls believers in incredibly different ways. So instead of seeking to imitate others, wishing you have what they have, be guided directly and uniquely by God. He will lead you and transform you exactly how you need. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 19 as he begins his message, Tongues, Hankies, and Demons. so much that I want to give to you today, uh, and we definitely do not have the time today. Uh, we are looking at a, a very peculiar um, portion of scriptures today. As a matter of fact, my working title for today's message is Of Tongues, Hankies, and Demons. Okay, now that's kind of a strange title, but don't blame me. That's the way Luke put them in uh, chapter 19 of the book of Acts. Um, as, as a matter of fact, if you'll bear it with me, I'm going to take more time setting the table before we actually serve the meal. Okay, if you understand what I'm saying there. There's a, there's a lot that I need to get laid out. But first of all, let's get started on the little mini-series. Let me ask you this question. How does the Holy Spirit work in the life of a believer? How does the Holy Spirit work in the life of a believer? Now, if you're real quick to raise your hand and say, oh, I know how he works in the life of the believer. I want to tell you right now, you're mistaken. Because if you can come up with the answer that quick, and that's simple, you don't have the fullness of the answer. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Actually, I believe that that question actually has haunted the Christian church down through the ages of trying to get that right and trying to put some kind of parameters around it when I don't believe that God has those kind of parameters. Particularly uh, when we try to discover in our lives as believers, what, it, what does it look like to live the normal Christian life? The normal Christian life. Some of you may have heard of the man by the name of Watchman Nee. 
Watchman Nee, again, he was a Chinese Christian author and a church leader during the early 20th century. He actually spent the last 20 years of his life in a communist Chinese prison. He was born uh, to a Methodist family, but it wasn't until 1920, when he was 17 years old, that he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And God so powerfully redeemed and changed Watchman Nee that, again, he, he never went to any theological schools. He never went to any Bible college. He, his knowledge and his growth came from the study of the Word of God and, yes, some other Christian books, other Christian authors of that time. During his 30 years of ministry, beginning two years after he got saved, two years after he got saved, he went into ministry. How long have you guys been saved? What are you doing right now? Okay, never mind. Okay, we'll move on. For 30 years of ministry, he traveled throughout China, planting churches, speaking at conferences, and training disciples throughout China. In 1952, though, he was imprisoned for his faith, and he remained in prison until his death in 1972. But before he went to prison... What began as actually a series of talks had then been uh, uh, transcribed and uh, published in a magazine, uh, chapter by chapter, month by month, uh, the series of talks came out. And then later, after he passed away in 1957, those articles were all pulled together to form the book that is called The Normal Christian Life. Now, The Normal Christian Life is now considered by many to be a, uh, a spiritual classic. Uh, some of you may be familiar with it. If you have not read it, when you get the chance, and I encourage you to get the chance, you will be challenged to the very core, uh, probably even doubting your salvation. Because again, he is so, so right on and so deep in the things that he speaks. He wants to encourage believers to live our lives in the way that, that, that we were purposed designed and, and created for by God Almighty. Drawing primarily from the first uh, eight chapters of the book of Romans, uh, he, again, tries to bring an answer to the question, what does this thing called the normal Christian life look like? In that book, Nee wrote this. There is nothing stereotyped about God's dealings with his children. Therefore, we must not, by our prejudices and preconceptions, make watertight compartments for the working of his spirit, either in our own lives or in the lives of others. We must leave God free to work as he wills, to leave what evidence he pleases of the work he does. Guys, probably one of the greatest tragedies that we see in, in, in the Christian life is when uh, a believer or even a minister or a church uh, or a denomination, whatever you want to say, we, we try to model ourselves after someone else or something else. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that we need to have examples. We need to have mentors. We need to have teachers in our lives. Paul himself tells us in 1 Corinthians, imitate me, uh, again, just as I also imitate Christ, and I understand that. But again, what I'm trying to say is, is that the gifts and the calling of God in your life will be and should be totally different 
than the gifts and the callings of God in other lives. Therefore, I can't look at you and expect you to respond in the same way that I do. You can't look at me and expect me to respond in the same way that you do. God works for, with each of us in our particular walk for a particular purpose. But through all of that, the purpose of God remains, but the work or the method of God most often changes. Let me give you a little sidebar here, no extra charge for this. I'm probably going to offend uh, a, a few of us on either side of an aisle. If you are on extreme sides of the aisle, you understand this a little bit later. But what I'm hoping is, is that it will be a challenge to you to look into the word of God rather than experience or the teachings of man. Word of God becomes our foundation and our truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Consider for a moment, if you would, how God dealt with Adam was completely different than how he dealt with Abraham. How God dealt with Moses was completely different than how he dealt with Joshua. And yet both Moses and Joshua were the leaders of the people of Israel, amen? But yet God dealt with both of them differently. You look through the kings of Judah, primarily the good ones, but you look through the kings of Judah, each one of them had different gifts, different callings. They had issues, they had challenges that were totally different than the other ones. Fought some of the same battles, some of the same enemies, but within their own lives, their own gifts, their own callings, God was working through them in a variety of ways. You look at the method of God as he worked in the Old Testament, it's different than how he worked in the lives in the New Testament. Same God, our God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But again, how he worked and moved in individual lives was different in the Old Testament than it is in the New Testament. Even the gifts and the callings of a man like Barnabas. We've looked at Barnabas in the earlier chapters of the book of Acts. God dealt with Barnabas and Barnabas's ministry was totally different than the apostle Paul. But yet they worked together. They, they ministered together during that first missionary journey. But yet God worked with them in different ways. And on and on we could go. But I hope that you get the point. And please do not ask the question, well, which one was better? Was, was Barnabas's way better or Paul's way better? You're missing the point if that's the question. Because what I'm saying is they are different. Why? Because God has called us with differing callings, with differing gifts, for differing purposes at differing times. God has always worked. God has always moved through a variety of ways and channels to complete that perfect work. And he does it through an imperfect world and through a fallen humanity damaged and scarred by sin. And yet God is working in the midst of that. How and why he works in your life absolutely baffles me. And the fact that God has allowed me to be the pastor here for almost 30 years ought to baffle you. <laughs> Other than... It is the grace of God and the gift of God and the power of God. Again, don't get me wrong. There's, there's, there's still, even though there's varieties and there's differences, there's still uh, many standards. There's, there's, there's many uh, marker points that have to be 
within the normal Christian life, within a believer's life. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, there are some things that have to be there, but yet there's still a great variety. But again, as Watchman Nee says, there is nothing stereotyped about God's dealing with his children. And so therein lies the problem. Because you see, many times the church is looking more to imitate other churches or trying to experience what God is doing at another place or another time, rather than simply trusting God to freely work as he wills and allow him to leave what evidence he pleases of that work that he does. We want to be like the church up the street. Oh, we want to be like the church across the country or up in the big city. We want to see God move among us like that. No, that ought not be in our, in our vocabulary. What our, what our prayer, what our request ought to be is God move in us the way that you desire to move in us. God move in me the way that you want to move in me. Don't make me like so-and-so, Lord. No, with the gifts and the calling you have in my life, Lord, Make me all that you desire me to be. And that brings me back full circle to the question I started with. How does the Holy Spirit work in the life of a believer? Now, I want to submit to you this morning that the Holy Spirit works differently in the life of every believer based on the gifts and the calling that God has on that individual. And all too often, though, We look through the word of God and we see how the spirit is moving at a certain time or a place, or we hear of a move of the spirit at another church, another city, another state, another country, and we say to ourselves, that is how the spirit should always be working in, and then you fill in the blank, in my life or in your life or in this church or in that church. We see it there and said, man, that's how it's got to be. With all of that, though, with that kind of a mindset, we're not giving room for the sovereign work and the timing of God for the purposes he has for us in the time that he has planted us. What was the great words to Esther? For such a time as this, God has called you to that place, to that position. And I believe that that runs true for every one of us. God created us at this time for a particular purpose and reason. And with that, again, it's kind of a long introduction to a short message, but we are in the book of Acts. We are in chapter 19. I invite you to turn there, if you would. Acts chapter 19. Now, we started uh, in chapter 19 last week. We got through the first five verses. Uh, I do want to back up. It's only five verses. I'm not going to re-preach them. You don't have time this morning, but I do want to put it in the context because remember, church, don't ever forget. Context may not be everything, but it does keep everything in order. You need to know the context of what you're studying in order to put it in the right place with right understanding. So, Acts chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, we read, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, We have not so much as heard, rather there is a Holy Spirit. 
And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And so they said, into John's baptism. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here we have some men that somehow they had made the connection with the teachings of John the Baptist, and they were under that understanding. They did not realize the completion of John's message had been in and through Jesus Christ and Christ's death and his resurrection. They hadn't got that. And undoubtedly, these men, had, they committed their lives to serving, to following uh, the Lord. They just didn't know the completeness of the work of Christ. And although Luke calls them disciples here, uh, we soon understand they're not completely instructed of the reality of Jesus Christ as that promised one that John had been talking about. But once they received Paul's teachings, they committed themselves then to this newer, this more, this more complete revelation, this fulfillment of John's message, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, you need to understand something absolutely amazing happened. Look here in verse six now. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. So right here, right now, some of you are like really worried. You're probably afraid we're going to do an altar call and we're going to lay hands on you, asking for, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to expect you to speak in tongues and you're going to freak. You're going to run out of the building and say, that's crazy. I don't want any of that stuff. What God did, you need to understand that what God did in these men's lives at that time, at that place, yes, it was absolutely amazing. And it was powerful. And it was the plan and the purpose of God. But you also need to understand that what happened at that particular time with these particular men was absolutely unique. Absolutely unique. Now the rest of you are probably thinking, no way, that wasn't unique. That's the way a believer ought to be, man. We ought to be filled with, with, with the Spirit. We ought to be speaking in tongues. That should be happening. We ought to be prophesying. Well, I'm going to ask both sides of the aisle here to bear with me a little bit. Rather you believe that, uh, again, the, the filling of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are, are dead and gone, or rather you expect that, man, you don't go to church unless all that's happening. You haven't really been at church. Both of you, just chill for a moment. Listen and think through what we have. I think the problem is that we have been, the church has been under such bad teaching on both sides of the aisle in reference to this whole thing of the filling of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. All too often on each side, we have teaching that's either based on fear of the unknown, the unexplainable, and the uncontrollable, or it's based on emotion and personal experience rather than on the balance and the whole counsel of God's word. Some say that the only evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you speak in tongues. Others go on even further saying that unless 
you've been filled with the spirits with evidence of speaking in tongues, you're not even saved. On the other hand of the pendulum are those who try to shut off all the gifts of the spirit. They accept only that initial abiding presence of the spirit at the point in time of salvation without any acknowledgement of the need to be continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And for them, they are limiting the work of God and they disregard, I believe, the clear teaching of the scriptures. All too often, we're either afraid to let go and let God have his way in our lives, particularly when we don't understand what he's doing. Or we've already predetermined what God should do, how he does it, and it all fits within a nice little package. We become more concerned with the side issue of an external experience and far too unconcerned for our own personal inner growth and our personal relationship based on solid faith in that sovereign work and word of God. In essence, what I did is I went through the book of Acts and I looked through every time that it speaks about uh, either believers being coming to faith or being baptized or again, that infilling of the spirit. Although we don't have time to go over each one of them, you need to see that within the book of Acts, we have multiple times where believers are said to be filled with or received or had the Holy Spirit fall upon them. And of those times, we find this either happens either at the time of salvation, at the time that they were baptized, or sometime even after they were baptized. There were times that the Holy Spirit fell upon them during a time of concentrated prayer. There were some times that it came on with the laying on of hands. There were other times that just during the teaching of the word of God, or as I shared, when they were baptized. The thing that we need to realize is that there's also times when it's groups or individuals. They come to a saving faith in Christ. They're baptized and nothing at all, there in the book of Acts, nothing is said about an infilling or filling or a baptism of the Holy Spirit. They, they believed and were baptized, and then Luke moves on. There were times when groups or individuals did receive that filling or that baptism of the Spirit, and yes, they spoke in tongues, and there are times when nothing is said about it at all. Guys, we dare not set our doctrine on speculation. And when the Scripture is silent, guess what? We need to remain silent. Doesn't say, and I'm not saying that we can't speculate, but let it be speculation and state it and understand it as that, rather than filling in the blanks ourselves and saying that's hardcore doctrine. That's my dogma. This is what I believe. Where did you get that? Well, I don't know. I just assumed this and I looked at that and I put two and three together and I believe that that's how it all goes. Guys, if it's not laid out within the word of God, it better not be your doctrine. It better not be your dogma. If we're honest with ourselves, if we're true with the scripture, we have to realize that God himself will move in his own way at his own time for his own purposes. And yet, because of who God is and in accordance with his word, we do realize that there are still definitely some non-negotiables. Open our hearts. 
We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-